morning, everyone. Once again, it's Wednesday morning. Where does time go? Honestly, I can't understand. It's already been a week since we did this last. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, I am absolutely delighted to tell you all that I'm joined by Sheena Wyatt from Kapow today. Uh, we're going to talk about something a little bit different today, but very relevant, I think, and very important to talk about. So, good morning, Sheena. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Brian. It's lovely to see you. How are you doing? Please introduce yourself to the world. Tell them all who you are and your superpowers. <laughs> Hello, world. Good morning, world. Uh, yes, indeed. My name is Sheena Wyatt. I run Kapow, which is a business coaching program. And uh, my superpower is that I help small business owners do business better. Effectively, I help them put their own underpants on over their trousers through dynamic business coaching uh, that works if they let it. Fantastic. Uh, morning, Amanda. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to talk about something that's a little bit uh, somber today. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you have previously been quite open about uh, about cancer, which is yeah. what we're going to be discussing. And I think I think it's quite important um, because we um, we are self-employed business owners, smaller business owners. We very much rely on ourselves uh, to do very much the heavy lifting in our businesses and. Being thrown a curveball like cancer is quite significant. So I'm quite interested in sort of hearing about your journey through that, sort of, um, because there must have been mornings, days, weeks, months where it's been an absolute struggle to get out of bed, let alone try to run a business. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it absolutely has. Uh, you know, and in the nicest sense, Brian, cancer sometimes has absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever. But um, it, yes. it's, I think it's also relevant, you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, that is the cancer that I was diagnosed with on the 4th of August uh, 2010, which is the year that I really do refer to as my Anna Cerebralis, because a whole bunch of stuff happened to me that year. Some of, a lot of it not very good, um, uh, parts of it very nice. Um, but yeah, the showstopper was that that particular day, the 4th of 4th of August. Um, I'd, I'd found a lump, um, actually, I'd found a lump at a friend's wedding and, uh, you know, had been getting ready to go to the wedding and thought, oh, something doesn't feel quite right. And in the way that you do kind of put my head in the sand for another week or so and then thought I probably ought to go and check that out. And um, the, the, <laughs> the interesting thing about it at the time, I know you, know, you and I have been friends for, for a long time, but, you know, my my husband is a pilot in the Royal Air Force. And at the time we were at Linton on Ouse, which is just outside of York. And um, it was one of the very few places left where dependents, although I hate that word, uh, but, you know, dependents um, got medical care through the RAF Medical Centre. And there is something very bizarre about toddling along to the RAF Medical Centre and effectively presenting and saying, you know, I found a lump in my breast. I really ought to get this checked out. And having that done by somebody that you stood next to in the bar a couple of nights before having a gin and tonic and a chat was a bit weird. <laughs> I can imagine that must have been a daunting experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. And it got very real when I went to the hospital and, uh, you know, had all the checks and was, as you do, you know, was just thinking, it'll all be fine. I'd gone by myself, you know, Ollie was at work and it's when they came and called me back in. And I remember looking at the, the, the mammogram nurse and just catching her eye and she was trying to avoid mine. And I just said, I'm guessing being called back in to do this again is not great. 
And she said, we're not going to do another mammogram. You need to come and have a chat with with one of the nurses. And that's when I knew that things were not great. And uh, and indeed, indeed, they weren't. And, uh, you know, I got given given the good news. Things then happened uh, very, very fast. The 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 tumour that they found in my uh, right breast was so aggressive that it was growing as they were taking the mammogram. So it was, yeah, <laughs> it was scary. And, uh, you know, there was an immediate biopsy, which was uh, challenging. Sorry, there's some pigeons just hit the window. Um, that was, uh, you know, ch- challenging to do that without any anaesthetic because they needed to to check it and get, get going really quickly. But the, the thing about my cancer story, if you like, is there are always moments in it that I look back on and think either a bit bewildered or it's funny. And, you know, and at this point, you know, I'm reeling genuinely with the shock of thinking, okay, I've just been told I've got cancer. No idea really what I'm supposed to do other than think, ow, in a lot of owls as they're digging bits out of me and all that kind of thing. And funnily enough, at that point, I thought I might need to go to the loo. And, uh, you know, so I just said, uh, I just need to pop to the loo. And one of the nurses said, that, that's fine, I'll come with you. And I kind of looked at her and I said, I'm, I'm all right. I've been doing this by myself for quite a long time. And she said, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll show you where it is. And I'm all right. So we go down the corridor. We get to the ladies. She comes in after me. And I looked at her again and I said, I really don't need you to come in and hold my hand. And she said, oh, you do? And I said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to go for a wee. She said, I'm, I'm going to stand here and wait for you. And I remember turning and looking at her and I said, really, honestly, I can do this by myself. And she just said, sometimes at this point we have people who just run away. So I will just step out. like, okay, I challenge you to have a wee when you need one, when there's somebody right outside the toilet door making sure that you are actually going to come back out. And that is just something I remember about this really bizarre day. And, uh, you know, short, shortly after, a very dear friend had driven Ollie up, my husband, to, uh, you know, to come and be with me. And that's that's when the cancer journey started. It's, um, it's a frightening thought that some people get so scared at that point that they actually rather run away from the hospital. Yeah. How that's incredible, isn't it? So that that's actually a thing. But you can sort of understand why. Mm. So. Yeah. So that's obviously a terrible thing, a frightening thing. Thankfully and luckily, you you're still with us, so obviously it went well. So, at some, so you mentioned that. So at this point, you are you're an army wife. You're married to to Ollie, who's who's a pilot. Um, at what stage in this whole thing did you decide I'm going to start a business? <laughs> yes, yes, good question. Um, uh, I had the year before come out of a very messy business divorce, and I had started all over again. And um, in August 2010, I just, you know, kind of got to that point of, you know, rebuilding a business thinking, oh, you know, I can see there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not constantly, you know, digging the trench. I'm sort of almost on the way out. Yeah. And it is true to say that that diagnosis was a right smack in the face because I just sort of thought, oh, for the love of God, you, you know, I've just got through that sort of first 12 months of of running a business mm. which you know anybody who's done that knows that first 12 months hard it doesn't matter if you've done it three times before or this is the first time you've ever done it you are building the foundations of a business and it requires a lot of effort and it requires a lot of time and it requires a lot of energy and you know to to look at 
in August. And, and I was just at that point of, of having a really small team of subcontractors. My business was slightly different at that time. I was working in the learning and development industry, which is where my background is providing training, you know, training in, in soft skills like public speaking and presentation skills, but also in some of the productivity skills using office products and things like that. And, uh, you know, had clients mostly around York, which is where we, you know, at REF Linton on Ooze, as I say, is just outside York. So most of my clients were local, but they were also pretty big. You, you know, we're talking big clients like Nestle and big clients like Siemens and that kind of stuff. The point being, not terribly sympathetic to the small business owner who's having a tough time, you know? Oh. And, uh, you know, so I thought, mm, uh, you know, there were, I had one of two choices. And I remember very vividly after the initial shock and after the initial conversation with Lynn, uh, who was my, my cancer care nurse, I asked her two questions that day. Uh, one was, am I going to die? And the other one was, am I going to lose my hair? And uh, she said yes to one and no to the other. And I think we can work out <laughs> um, but I needed that kind of let's just let's just cut the crap. You, you know, these are the you know, the first thing that I'm worried about is, is this a battle I can fight? Mm. And the second thing is, what's the casualty count going to be like? And, uh, you know, when she said, you know, not if we can help it with regards to am I going to die? And yeah, I'm afraid so with your hair. I thought, OK, I can deal with that. Let's just let's take the first step. What do we do next? And never at any stage at that point did I think I need to stop you know that although I'll be brutally honest you know for the first week after diagnosis did I think about how I was going to carry on running my business through the next year particularly not really um because you are not in control of the cancer bus once you get on it uh, you, you know, somebody else is driving it and it's it's their speed and it's their turns and it's their, they are deciding where it's going to go. And when you have a very aggressive diagnosis like I did, everything is happening very, very fast. And, you know, so it's you, you, you don't get to choose. You know, you don't get to sort of sit there and go, oh, do you know what? I think I'll have that lumpectomy next week. It's like, no, no, you're doing that then. And then you're doing this and then you're doing this. So thinking about how I was going to run a business at the same time was way, way down on my priority list to begin with. I think that, um, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And just, just before we dig into that a little bit more, I just, I just want to say to everyone who's watching us here, and obviously what we're talking about here is big stuff. So if, if you have any questions, if it's something that affects you and you have any questions about how to perhaps deal with access support and deal with this kind of thing, please, please ask the questions, put them in yeah. the chat. We'll do our very best. Sheena will do her best to try and answer them. If she can't, she'll come back to you after the stream has ended. Uh, if, if it's not something we can answer straight away, so 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 just I just want to sort of touch on that a little bit because I think that's very important because we know as as business owners, one of the wonderful things about being a business owner is the freedom that it brings in us being able to control our own lives. But I suppose when you're hit with an illness like cancer, that's also one of the downsides, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. There is really, there's really no financial support and that kind of stuff, is no. there? No, you know the buck stops here. Yeah. You know that that's it. And you know I was, I was lucky um, because my business was already one that I was running from from home, and I've you know I've been doing that for a long time, and was also very grateful for that. You know when we went into lockdown one. Um, so the point of that for me at that stage was thinking, okay, you know now that 
Now this cancer diagnosis is real. Now I know what the ballpark looks like. You know, this is a fight I can win. Um, there are going to be some casualties along the way, right? Okay, how do we do that? Was was then thinking, okay, I asked a lot of questions. And again, just to touch on what you just said, if anybody is watching this that's either in the same position or know somebody who does, ask lots and lots of questions. Don't don't be afraid. So I was asking a lot of questions like, what is this going to be like when I have to start chemotherapy? Um, you, you know, and, and all of those things come after lots of bits of you have been prodded and poked and taken away and tested. And, and that's the scary bit at the beginning, because until they've done those things and they can tell you exactly what it is that you have, in my case, stage two invasive ductal carcinoma, something I'll never forget. I'm no scientific geek, but I know what that cancer was called. God damn it. And then I owned it, you, you know, in that whole right, you invasive, you know, ductal carcinoma, you bastard, um, you know, I'm coming for you. And that was actually quite important for me was tell me what this is, mm. you know, tell me, but I don't just need, want to know that I've got cancer. I want to know exactly what this is so that I know what I'm up against. Yeah. Secondly, please, for the love of God, don't go and refer to Dr. Google. It will scare you rigid. Um, yeah. You know, talk talk to people who actually know what they're talking about, and and take all of the advice that you can. So the the two big bits of advice that I got before I started chemotherapy, after I had the good news that my cancer hadn't spread, um, so it had contained, and uh, you know, although that involved some fairly drastic surgery to make sure that that stayed the case, uh, chemotherapy was was going to be a very effective form of treatment. Um, and at that point, it's like, OK, another series of questions. You know, what is that going to be like? And the two bits of advice that I got that were so important to me were, you know, first of all, this is going to wipe you out. You know, chemotherapy is incredibly aggressive and brutal treatment. Do not expect to feel, you know, super duper. No. It's a cycle. So, you know, you'll have your chemotherapy treatment and on that day, you'll feel pretty all right. Um, and then as the drugs start to take hold, you'll feel a bit, for me, it felt like the whole world was on the other side of cling film. It was, you know, I was there, but everything was a bit fuzzy and weird and 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 odd. Um, you know, then the, the drugs kick in and for the next two or three days, you feel absolutely dreadful. Um, you know, then your body starts to rally and you feel a little bit better. And then the two or three days before your next treatment, you actually feel OK, because that cycle, that roller coaster, you're back on the up bit. So that to me was really useful because I thought I can work with that, you know, as a as a freelance trainer and somebody running teams that were subcontracting. I thought, well, OK, I can plan to work on the days when I'm feeling that bit better. I can avoid working the initial days after my chemotherapy treatment um let's see how that goes and so that's exactly what i did and so it was challenging that, yeah but it was it must have been so because the the question and immediately pops into my head is that so what what happens then you know you what what makes a successful a small business owner is the fact that we're driven you know that so but so but what happens in that case when you are in that stage of, of the, the treatment where you're feeling the worst because that's inevitably the day you're going to get the phone call from Nestle saying, can yeah. you do this for me? How did you deal with that? I had to get very brave about saying no. Right. And, you know, the having the dialogue about saying no and very quickly turning a no into a, 
uh, yes, if you see what I mean. So you, you're quite right. You know, that phone call would come through. Can you do this, this training on this day? And I'd look at my treatment cycle and think, I can't really do it then. So I was actually just very upfront and would say, I can't do it then. Um, you know, if the if the timing is, you know, non-negotiable, let me see if one of my team can come and do it for you on that day. And that happened a few times. You know, it was date critical. Uh, so I went out to trusted uh, you know, members of my team that I'd worked with for years thinking, I know they're going to do a good job and I know they're going to do a good job and represent my brand in the way that I would want them to because they've worked with me for a long time. But sometimes it wasn't date critical and they were flexible. Um, I did lose a lot of work, uh, you, you know, because the, the the volume of work stopped coming in when the conversation started being more, I can't than I can. But one of the things that I made sure I kept doing on the days that I just physically would never could never have, have been able to go and deliver training was I just kept conversations going you know I, I kept phone calls just just touching base with the people who were booking me and were booking my team just to keep visible um, but also keeping visible and being honest about it and as you said at the beginning of our, our chat I have never been ashamed or embarrassed to say that I have had and had at the time actively got cancer because <laughs> you know there's a certain point in that treatment process where you simply cannot hide it anymore and you know it was just thinking there are going to be times when I turn up to do a gig and it's going to be obvious that there is something not quite right so it was you know important to keep that going but that was the biggest thing that I that I managed I also did did that you know mm -hmm. and just thought what do I need to get rid of to survive business-wise through this what are the outgoings that I was not even thinking twice about when things were really busy it's like no that that needs to go and by golly Brian did that hold me in good stead when we went into lockdown one and it was like oh here we go again uh it, you know is uh you know bringing that all the way around but don't be don't be afraid to to be honest about it but also what was important to me was I have to protect myself I have to give my body a chance to fight this thing uh so stop chasing the mighty dollar and just you know take yeah, a step back and I think that that's a very important thing, a very important lesson is that, yeah, we're very proud, we're very protective of, of the businesses that we build. But at the end of the day, you know, nothing is more important than our health and, uh, and our loved ones. So, uh, so, so absolutely, I think. Okay, moving on a little bit then. Obviously, you go through the treatments uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I suppose as the illness starts to relent a little bit, there must have been a great sense of, I suppose release but also then did that release then evolve into you spending then more time digging into the business or did your values sort of change in that regards as the illness started to let go a little bit that's a very good question um <clears throat> it's there was there was one key thing that happened during uh, during chemotherapy that just gave me an opportunity to step back and think where am I going with all of this because you so one of the things certainly that I recognized was there was a period at the beginning of treatment where I was literally just you know blinkered in the whole right this is this is all about getting through this and just you know functioning it, I had aggressive chemotherapy treatment because the tumor was aggressive so you know every three weeks for six months which was brutal um and 
<laughs> in, in the middle of that, I was asked to apply for a award. It was the only time I had a proper diva moment about being a cancer patient in, in the whole, you know, don't you know that I'm, you know, going through cancer? You know, and I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a moment. And um, the <laughs> the poor person on the other end of the phone just very quietly said, it's it's just filling in a form. Would that be okay? And I felt such an idiot. <laughs> I just went, oh, right, yes, okay. So they um they e emailed me the form over. And once I pushed my ego fairy out of the way, I um, you know, I just filled the form in, sent it off. Um, and and I got shortlisted and I got asked if I would like to go to the awards dinner at the Dorchester on the 3rd of February 2011. Now, the reason I remember that day more specifically was that was the day before my penultimate chemo treatment. Wow. So I thought, oh, I could do that. That is going to be a day where I actually feel OK. And, you know, God bless the uh, East Coast mainline was thinking and I could get down to down to London the day before and back up to York in time for my chemo treatment. So let's do it. And you know, was able to take my mum and Ollie uh, with me, having blagged two free tickets because nobody says no to a cancer patient. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, we went to the awards dinner. And to put it into context, one of the things I really struggled with through chemotherapy um, was uh, just staying warm. You know, your, your, your body is just fighting all the time. It's, you know, fighting the cancer. It's dealing with the chemotherapy. It's healing after surgery. It's, it's going through a hell of a lot of shit, really. And, um, you know, some people suffer with sickness. I never did. I just suffered with being permanently cold. Um, so my outfit choice was um, eccentric because it needed to involve several layers of thermal vest. Um, and by that stage, I had no hair at all. It goes very, very quickly. And, uh, and I had absolutely no hair. And trust me, you will never um, appreciate the value of having nasal hair until you don't have nasal hair anymore. Um, so it was like, OK, what am I going to wear? So I had this weird concoction going on and a velvet beanie hat and all that kind of thing. And it's the first time I've been out and not seen anybody apart from close family <clears throat> since I'd started treatment because you're immediately immune suppressed. So, you know, you have to protect yourself. Again, a lesson that came right back into the fore when, uh, you know, COVID became a reality for all of us. And uh, so I was just excited to be out with other people and, uh, you, you know, just having a, a, a night out and uh, having champagne. You know, I mean, I just like, oh my goodness, look, champagne. I couldn't taste it. You know, your taste buds are absolutely wiped out. But I didn't care. And uh, I was just enjoying the evening. And you know it got to the point where the awards were being announced <clears throat> excuse me and the person who was sat next to me we were right back down in the cheap seats the Dorchester ballroom is huge um just went that's you and he pointed towards the front of the room and and there there's me on the big screen but of course it wasn't a me I recognized because this was a me you know pre-cancer so that was a bit of a shock and uh and then of course I'm thinking why is there a picture of me up there the, the short of a long was that I I had indeed won freelance trainer of the year, which meant I had to get up and walk the length of the <laughs> the length of the uh, Dorchester ballroom to go and get my award. And this this is when I had that first moment, the first seed of I can decide how cancer is going to define me going forward. And the moment was was getting up walk, to go and walk down the ballroom to go and get my award. Um, you know, my husband, bless him, RAF pilot man of steel defender of the nation dissolves into blubbery mess uh you know my my mum who is uh RAF fighter pilot's wife main of sterner stuff she's uh you know telling him to get a grip and uh, and I'm you know walking down the ballroom and I'm actually just concentrating on getting from one end to the other you, you know my energy levels are on the floor 
I've had two glasses of champagne, which is more than I've had to drink in about four months, and just sort of thinking, don't fall over, basically. And I passed a table of clients, uh, you know, it was the supermarket table. So these were people I were working with, Sainsbury's, um, you know, excuse me, uh, there was also WH Smith there, there was Tesco there. So these were learning development managers I knew because I was working with them. And there was just a comment as they went past and somebody turned and said, you know, who's, who, who is Sheena Wyatt? And the comment came back and just said, if you want to know what true grit and determination looks like, she's walking right past you. Wonderful. And that that's was my cool. moment. And that's when I decided how I was going to change journey, change direction. Yeah, and that's wonderful. And, and what a wonderful way of celebrating coming to the end of the treatment. Yeah. That must have been an absolutely amazing feeling, you know, after all that sort of <clears throat> turmoil, chaos, pain, suffering, and hardship yeah. we've gone through. So... Sheena, that that that's wonderful. I think um, I'm just I'm just conscious of time. We're coming up to 25 minutes, so I just want to ask you though. You know, having gone through all of that, you've obviously successfully negotiated the uh, the treatment, and you're alive, healthy, well. You got a fantastic business. What's the main lesson that you've learned having gone through that? Don't let it define you. Mm. Use it. You know, people would say to me, you're so brave. There's no brave if you've got cancer. It's, you know, you either fight it or you let it win. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody has the privilege of fighting and winning, but fight. And, you know, fight in your own way. It's your life. Cancer is just part of it. One of the things that I enjoy so much is telling people I am. And, you know, it's that oh, cancer doesn't define who I am but it is a major part of the person that I have become because it showed me what I could achieve. It helped me learn why not only my strengths, but also how to manage my weaknesses. And it taught me some really, really valuable business lessons that I still use now. The, the biggest one of those is the, you know, don't chase the dollar. It's, it's not the income that makes you overall a successful business owner. It's understanding the values in your business uh, your personal values, getting those in alignment so that you're running a business that people want to be part of. I quite often get challenged, oh, you don't charge enough. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you need to do that. If you are happy in your business, then you are running it right. Yeah. And if you are happy in your business because it's doing what you want it to do for you, that's good enough. At the end of the day, the big lesson that I took out of, of my journey with cancer, which you know, is is one that never completely finishes. You just take different bits of the journey is what, why I created Kapow, why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And that was the, on the back of that comment from that table. You know, your personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to hear that. But the big thing that I wanted to take away and share with people today is you have the power to create that dialogue. You have the power to decide the words that you want people to use about you when you're not in the room. And if you're lucky enough, you, like me, might actually get to hear it for real. And that's an amazing feeling. And it just helps to underpin the fact that you're doing things right. So, you know, the biggest the biggest lesson that I learned from, from that initial year, the first year of having cancer, was to not be afraid to be me and not be afraid to embrace all of that the bits that were good the bits that were not so good the bits that were broken um and the bits that needed fixing and i've never looked back since no and and you are you are fabulous you're amazing you know you're wonderful and i think i 
I just wanted to fin finish up on the note, note she's saying that anyone out there who, who stumbles across this, who sees it, who's touched by it in any way, or know people who are, please don't be shy. Um, if if don't don't feel that you're on your own, sat alone with it. Uh, I know that you know I'm in my family's been touched by cancer, so please come and reach out to either me. I'm pretty sure that Sheena will be happy for anyone to to reach out to her as well. Yeah. Um, if you need coaching, obviously Sheena is your place to go. But if you are suffering with these uh, these uh, problems, then we're both more than happy to have a conversation with anyone because. I think that's the important thing. I think it's, you know, you told, mentioned COVID before. We're not alone. You're not alone. There's people out there who's going through what you're going through. So, so don't be afraid to put your head above the parapet and actually reach out to people. So, Sheena, I want to thank you so much for coming here today and, and sharing this with us because it's, it's a deeply personal thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just talking about profits and building your brands. You know, it's, this is personal stuff. So, I really want to thank you for for being so open about it because I, I truly believe that that is the best way of, of yeah. encouraging other people to come out and, and get the help that they probably need. So, so I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. So, everyone who's come and joined us today, thank you for watching this. Um, that concludes another week's uh, in conversation with. Join us again next time, uh, where we're going to have some more fabulous people on, where we're going to touch on subjects that's relevant to people like us who own small businesses. So yeah. thank you all, and uh, we shall see you all again very soon.